Because how can an ordinary human being kill 14,000 Rakshasas in just two hours? So he got this realization, but suddenly because he is governed by the mode of passion, the mode of Rajoguna, which we discussed yesterday, this clouded his intelligence so much that immediately he got this so-called positive thinking. He said, yes, no, he's not going to harm me. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to emerge victorious. This is what happens with the demoniac tendency. Sometimes we realize what is the truth, but that energy of passion is so overwhelming that energy clouds our intelligence. Although we know what is right and what is wrong. Another classic example is Duryodhana. In the Mahabharata, Duryodhana saw that under Krishna's expert guidance, Pandavas are destroying the Kaurava friends. And at one point, Duryodhana said, Oh, this Krishna, he is none other than the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is the one who is responsible for everything. And then he paused. And then Duryodhana said, Basically, he realized Krishna is the Lord. And then he paused and he said, no, but I will emerge victorious. I am confident. I will do it. I can kill the Pandavas. So, you know, this may externally appear to be positive thinking, but this is toxic positivity. Because it's not positivity. This is, this is positive thinking based on denial. He is in denial of the truth. So many times I have seen, you know, we, we just become positive, but then we are simply denying what is the truth. So that kind of positive thinking is is not going to help us. So like Duryodhana and Ravana, we also sometimes victims of this kind of so-called positive thinking. So Akampana was intelligent, he was a commander-in-chief. And he started explaining to Ravana about Ram's prophecy. He said, when Lord Ram, he cannot be tamed by anyone. In fact, he's so powerful that by his arrows, he can tear down the heavens with all its constellations, stars, moon, everything. He's so powerful. He has so much power in his bow and arrow that he can stem the current of a flooded river. He can break the shores of the ocean. He can lift the entire earth. In fact, he has so much strength that he can dissolve the earth and recreate it again. This is a kind of glorification Akampana is offering to Ravana about Lord Ram. So then at this point of time, Ravana looked very thoughtfully at Akampana because he realized he's a commander-in-chief. He can't see commander-in-chief knows the strengths and weaknesses of his own army as well as the enemy. So he didn't know what to do. So he kept quiet and then Akampana said, but you have one hope. You can kill Ram because he's come to the forest with his beautiful wife, Sita. He is very attached to her. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought her to the forest. So if you can somehow separate her from him, and then he started describing her beauty. He said she is the most splendorous woman. And she is more dear to Ram than anything else. And if you somehow separate her from him, then one of the two things will happen. Ram would feel the shock and he would die in separation from Sita. Or he would become so weak that you can easily defeat him. So then Ravana liked this idea. Then he said, okay, I'll take help of my mystic, crafty, demon friend, Mahicha who resides in the Himalayas. So he went to Himalayas to convince Maricha and he made a plan by which they will kidnap Sita and weaken Ram. And this is a very interesting conversation. Ravana comes to Maricha and Maricha welcomes him and Ravana tells him, see this ordinary human called Ram, he destroyed my entire army that was stationed with Janastan. So I want you to help me kidnap his wife. And when Maricha heard the name Ram, he was sitting in front of Ravana, he had offered him fruits and roots for food. As soon as he heard the name Ram, Maricha got up with a start, as if he was shocked. And first thing he said, Oh my dear king, which enemy of yours in the guise of a friend has advised you to fight with Ram? Forget this immediately. And he panicked and started feeling very scared. And then he said, My dear king, if you go to Ram, if you try to kidnap his wife, not only you, but the entire Rakshasa dynasty will be destroyed. I want to know from you, my dear king, who has dealt you a powerful blow while you were sleeping peacefully in Lanka? So seeing Maricha's 
passionate uh, expressions and response, Ravana was shocked that Maharaj has such high regard for Ram. He said, why do, why do you think he's so good? Then Maharaj said, because when I was a 16-year-old boy, and that time he didn't even have knowledge of so many weapons. He was a very young, inexperienced boy. He hit me so hard, he shot an arrow that threw me 800 miles away into the ocean. And now he has more knowledge. And then I took the form of a Shabara to kill him. Remember what is a Shabara? Anybody remember? Lion with eight legs and ten times taller than a lion. And he eats lions for breakfast. So he took the form of a Shabara. And then again Ram killed all his associates. But Maharaja said, somehow I don't know why he spared my life. And after these two incidents, I am so scared of Ram. And then Maharaja spoke some beautiful verses about Lord Ram. He said, <clears throat> he was speaking very passionately. And he said, please don't even think of staring at Ram. He is a lion amongst men and his numberless arrows are his teeth. Don't throw yourself into this dreadful ocean called Ram. And in this ocean called Ram, there are many sharks which are like his numberless arrows. So like this, he started very poetically glorifying and seeing his passion. Uh, Ravana realized that, oh, he must be right. So he quietly left. And he said, maybe, uh, maybe, but I think he's ordinary. Ravana kept going back to the denial mode. He said, oh, he's ordinary, but I will not do anything now. I think our paths will cross soon. Let me go back to my Lanka. Because Maharaja said, go back to Lanka and enjoy with your wives. And let Ram enjoy with his wife. <laughs> we have so many queens, so be happy. So then he was in Lanka living peacefully. <laughs> Is there a reason why he is <laughs> I'm struggling with my voice today. Thank you, Prabhu. So at that time when Ravana was living peacefully in Lanka, a very interesting personality visited him. Who visited him? His sister, Shurpanka, whose face had been disfigured by Lakshman. So she came running and she started shouting at Ravana. She said, what kind of a protector are you? I'm a helpless woman. I've been badly mutilated. And you are sitting and you are calling yourself a mighty monarch and you are not doing anything to protect me? Everybody knows you are a licentious, promiscuous, low-class man. You know, she started, she started insulting her brother in front of all his ministers. And uh, that was very, very humiliating for Ravana. And she said, and, and he said, who has done this to your face? Who has harmed you like this? And then Shurpanka repeated what Akampana had said. But Shurpanka is cunning. You know, Akampana simply glorified Ram's prowess, and that's it. Ravana understood. But Shurpanka was very shrewd. She knew that her brother disregarded all moral and ethical codes. So she said, My dear brother, actually, I had gone to Janastan to get a beautiful wife for you. And this Sita, she starts describing. Sita's beauty very uh, in a very in a very elaborately and she he starts saying that she's so beautiful and then finally he says that any person who can embrace her with delight can enjoy a pleasure that is far greater than any demigods can ever enjoy and only you deserve her she's telling Ravana and because I wanted to get her for you I had to face this. So it appears as if Shurpanka you know, is Ravana's well-wisher. But actually she was so cunning. Now the, you know, we are doing some cross-reference of scriptures here. Shurpanka, she had her own axe to grind. She was, she was actually very angry with her brother. She wanted him to get destroyed. Because her husband's name was Tushtabuddhi, who was a general in Ravana's army. And in one particular battle, when Dushtabuddhi was losing resources and he wanted, uh, what do you call that? He wanted backup. backup. And Ravana did not send backup. So then Dushtabuddhi was killed. So Shurpanka held her brother responsible for her husband's death. 
so she was very angry so she thought if he fights with ram see ram dies and i get my revenge and if you can and if ravana dies also i am pacified that was her strategy so this time look at this now ravana was convinced earlier by maricha not to fight with ram rafal shukanta describes ram's beauty ravana's lust is incited he becomes extremely lusty to possess sita and this lust is the seed of destruction lust is the greatest enemy the gita says and ravana blinded by lust again goes to maricha and maricha is surprised he says why has you come back o king i hope everything is all right in lanka and ravana says i have come back to you because ram has destroyed and mutilated my sister and i want you to help me this is the plan he offers him a plan and he says maricha you may no doubt recall my earlier request but please understand this time i have not come to request you i have come to order you come with me so <coughs> So what do you think happened to Maricha when he heard this second time order? His face became white. His worst fears came true, and he said with unblinking eyes, he looked at Ravana and said, "O oh king, just when I am so scared of Ram that after twice he spared my life, I have I took sannyas out of fear of Ram. In fact, wherever I see, I see Ram standing with his bow about to attack me." In fact, whenever I hear any words starting with R, I get scared, as if Ram is going to come. So I cannot, I cannot go and help you in this. And then Ravana kept staring at Maricha, as if he is determined to get his work done. And then Maricha said, "My dear king, it's very easy to find psychophants, flatterers who will simply glorify you. Very difficult to find a real friend who will speak the truth to you. I am speaking the truth." Please wake up. There's a double meaning here. I'm also saying wake up. With my own agenda. So then he said, "Please, Ravana, wake up from your slumber. Not only you, but the entire Rakshasa race will be annihilated." So Maricha was like very passionately again trying to convince Ravana, but this time Ravana was determined. and he kept looking at maricha straight and then he said ravana please know that ram has done lot of tapasya lot of penance and i request you do not throw yourself into this dreadful ocean called ram your entire city of lanka will be burned and then ravana looked at maricha and said i repeat maricha i have not come for advice and then ravana's voice became soft and he said maricha perhaps there is some danger for you if you go in front of ram perhaps but if you disobey my order death is not only certain but immediate now carefully you can weigh the things in the balance of reason and take a call so now maricha realized that the king is going to kill me So now he said, "Let me one last time try to convince him." He said, "My dear king, yes, you can kill me, but first, please go and kill that person who advised you to kidnap Sita." Then Maricha said, "Ravan is simply looking at him, not moving, not doing anything." So then Maricha realized that Ravan is determined. So Maricha said, "Oh, king, now he said, let me speak fearlessly. Now I am nothing to fear because he is going to anyway kill me." So he said, "Oh." king you are a slave to your senses and all your citizens of lanka i feel pity for them they are simply they are simply like sheep protected by a jackal and none of you are realizing that a terrible calamity is at the doorstep of lanka and i know that it is better to be killed by ram than to be killed by you so i will go with you and help you kidnap sita and when maricha said this Ravana immediately smiled and embraced Maricha and he said this is my Maricha speaking till now some ghost had possessed you but now i am happy and he held maricha and he took him in his chariot and he came to janasthan 
And Marita assumed what form? All of you know? A golden did you see this painting? Yesterday I was just looking today today I was looking at this painting a lot. Such a beautiful painting. Golden deer. This is considered as the most splendorous and magical deer. His, its head was partly white and partly black. His, this deer was very special because its horns had sapphires and its snout was like a combination of red and blue lotus. And he had uh, slender white legs and hooves were like black gems. Eyes were like diamonds. The whole flank was golden. Belly was dark blue. And the whole skin was shiny. And Maricha now in the golden deer form comes near Ram's hermitage and comes near Sita. And Maricha, you know, in the form of a deer, starts nibbling the grass, leaves, like any other deer does. That's what the deers do. And you know, the animals, generally, they have a very good sense. So Maricha started mixing with the other animals in the forest and started nibbling leaves. And the animals can know that this is not one of us. So all the other animals started running away. And they didn't, and because they have a good sense. And Marita also, because he's ultimately a Rakshasa, a demon, so he couldn't resist his propensity. He wanted to pounce on some of the animals and eat them. But he was restraining himself. And finally, he came uh, near Sita where she was plucking flowers. And he came in front of her and she looked at Marita and then suddenly ran away. And she was like, Who came in front of him? And then again, she was busy plucking flowers. Again, Marita would come. This is how Maya attracts us, you know. She plays hard to get. <laughs> She'll come in front of you, go away. So like that, she was coming. And, uh, and I don't know if you remember, I, when we were in India, we grew up watching one ad for a, for a sari. I think it was a garden, Bareilly sari. Or, I think Vimal, Vimal saris. Very famous ad. So the ad was like this. Uh, a beautiful woman in a sari comes and you know, she comes in front of a man. And this man is walking. And he looks at her and he starts chasing her and then she disappears. And then he gives up the chase and he continues his walk. And suddenly she comes from another place. And then again he goes behind her. And then again she disappears. Again he gives up the chase. And he's so and finally the ad ends with the slogan, catch me if you can. <laughs> so that's how they were advertising for that song. That's exactly what Marisa was doing. He's coming in front of Sita, and just when Sita was excited and she wanted the deer, he would disappear. And then when she was just about to give up, he would again come. So like this, she, he managed to captivate Sita's heart. And, and then she said, Oh Ram, come here. Oh my dear husband, please come here. Get Lakshman with you. See this deer, this has completely enchanted my heart. My eyes are wonderstruck, wonderstruck by seeing this animal. Ram saw the deer. Lakshman also saw the deer. And the first thing Lakshman said, my dear Ram, this is not a deer. There is no such deer in the 8.4 million species that we know. This, I think this could be Maricha because you, you have spared his life twice. So, so when he said Maricha, Sita immediately interrupted him. Sita said, Lakshman, what are you saying? Oh Ram, this cannot be any demon. This is a beautiful deer. This deer has stolen my mind. Let us take this deer to Ayodhya. And after our exile, all the palace members will play with this deer. Everybody will be happy. And she repeatedly kept beseeching Ram to go and get this deer. And then Ram, you know, he felt a desire to please his wife. And he said, Lakshman, this deer has captivated my wife's heart completely. I will go and get this deer. But if, as you say, it is a demon in disguise, I will kill this deer and then we can have the deer's skin and use it for our different purposes. But you, Lakshman, be here on guard and protect my wife Sita. I will go behind the deer. So, according to the plan of Ravana, Ram is now chasing the deer and Maricha began running swiftly. And Ram began chasing and Maricha always kept ahead and just like a deer, he would he would disappear exactly like a deer and he would jump high in the air and he would glance fearfully here and there and run. And Ram was going and he took Ram a long distance and they ran almost for one hour. So that's like many, many kilometers. So finally Ram was tired and he was leaning against a tree 
And then he realized, oh, Lakshman was right. This is a demon. So Ram took an arrow. He, he put it on the bow and he stretched it. And he shot the arrow directly at the heart of Manicha, who then assumed this original form and he became huge, as huge as a palm tree. And he screamed and he went high and he crashed on the ground in his actual form. And Ram ran towards Maricha and just before, when, when Maricha saw Ram is so close to him and Maricha was about to give up his body, he shouted very loudly in Ram's voice. Exactly imitating Ram's voice, he shouted, Oh Lakshman, Oh Sita! And Ram stood with apprehension. He understood this is confirmed plot, a ploy of the Rakshasas. Because what would happen now? Sita would hear that my husband is calling my name and Lakshman's name. He is in danger. So, because you know, Rakshasas, their body was huge, much more than men's, uh, human's body size. And their voice was much louder. So, Maricha's voice could be heard many, many miles away. So, so he knew that this would create confusion. And so, immediately he turned back. And he started running towards the hermitage. And meanwhile, Sita, when she heard her husband's voice, actually it was Maricha's voice, she became anxious and she became bewildered by fear. And now she said, Lakshman, go! Your husband is in danger. Your brother is in danger. My husband is in danger. Go and rescue him. And Lakshman just stood his ground. He said, well, there's nothing going to happen. And then Sita saw Lakshman is not moving at all. She became reckless in her speech. And she said, Oh, son of Sumitra, now I see that you are an enemy in disguise. You are glad that your brother is in danger because you want to possess me. Like Lakshman, uh, she had her screaming. She was like uncontrollable. And Lakshman was extremely pained by what Sita was saying. But he was calm because he knew his brother has given him a job and didn't want to fail him. And he calmly reasoned. Oh, Sita, please, 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 your husband cannot be harmed. Don't you remember? Recently, it destroyed 14,000 Rakshasas. Has your memory failed you? So then, Lakshman convinced her, see, these Rakshasas are planning a revenge. And then Sita immediately said, Lakshman, you are concealing your true nature. All these years, you have been coveting me. And I will not let your desire be fulfilled. This is her verdict. And then she said, I will never accept an evil man like you. Now Lakshman was very, very pained and deeply hurt because Sita was as worshipable to him as was his brother Ram. And he couldn't even imagine what she was suggesting. And he said, your words are sharper than the sharpest arrows. And I cannot argue with you anymore. Because see, she kept saying, she kept you know, accusing Lakshman of very bad intentions. And he said, I can't argue with you because you are a worshipable deity for me. And I think it is the nature of women like you to be sentimental and fickle. I will follow what you say, but I am afraid that my worst fear is I may not see you when I return. And then he prayed to the forest deities and left Sita there. The Tulsi Ramayana describes very dramatically that before leaving, Lakshman made a, a circle around the hermitage and told Sita not to cross that line. He said, this line will protect you. Nobody can come inside to harm you. If you stay within the circle. But our, our Vaishnava commentators explain that this is the line of regulative principles that our gurus give us. Follow these rules and regulations, you are safe. So, Lakshman made that circle. So, when, when Lakshman left, who entered? Ravana entered. And what did he wear? What dress did he wear? A sage, a sadhu with a beard, with saffron and with his kamandalu, begging arms, Viksham Dehi, Viksham Dehi. And Sita was weeping because Lakshman had gone and she was in fear of Ram's life. She was wailing and then Ravana enters. When Ravana entered near her hermitage, it is described that the breeze stopped blowing. All the forest animals began running here and there because they knew Ravana has come, the king of the demons. And they became panicky. And when Ravana came close to Sita, he began to look at her 
very intently and he was just marveled by her beauty and then he started speaking very poetically now just remember this is very weird remember his sister was very weird what she did she wanted breakfast and a lunch box lunch box turned to a romantic partner for her you know she like she wanted to eat ram and then she wanted she wanted to have him as a partner here ravana is in the dress of a sadhu a sage and he started appreciating sita's beauty a sadhu is not supposed to appreciate a woman for her beauty that's like that's crazy how can you do that so ravana was describing her beauty he said oh most beautiful lady you are a splendor of gold and silver adorned with jewels your form is radiant like a beautiful lotus now you know the interesting thing is ravana had many many wives thousands of wives and he didn't have to force anyone to marry him because he was so charming and attractive that all these women had voluntarily surrendered themselves to him so ravana's body is described his beauty is described in ramayana in great detail interestingly ravana was also extremely charming and handsome in fact his body is said to be like darkish complexion and it was a mixture of as if you know when lightning strikes gold how it would appear and that's the way his beauty is described a black cloud when lightning strikes a thick black cloud what you see that's how effulgent ravana was and he had uh, he had uh, you know uh, red reddish garments and red earrings big earrings he was a very attractive personality so he thought you know i am very handsome and all women are falling for me and if i appreciate sita for her beauty she would also fall for me so he started appreciating her beauty and then he said oh beautiful woman what are you doing alone in this forest you should be in a royal palace who is your protector and sita all this while she was crying and she looked at ravana she is looking at a sadhu and she immediately got up because she has been trained from childhood to serve sadhus so she immediately got up she said oh sadhu you have come to the forest she composed herself she removed her tears and she got water and she fetched food and she said welcome i am the daughter of king janaka the wife of lord ram and my husband and his brother have gone to the forest to get some produce please wait they will soon come and receive you with hospital with, uh, with they fulfill all your desires and then ravana knew now the tulsi ramayan describes that he told sita to come outside the line because he can't go in and when she came out ravana immediately grabbed her and he took her that's what tulsi das describes but valmiki ramayan describes a very very amazing conversation between sita and ravana because there is no line in uh, described in valmiki ramayan so she just goes in front of sita and says he says just like she has revealed her identity let me reveal my identity ravana says that oh sita your body is so beautifully formed with your dark eyes and full red lips playing on white teeth which is shining like a row of pearls you have captured my heart and my mind is stolen away for sita is shocked first of all it's a sadhu <laughs> and then and he is like talking all these romantic things and then ravana says to to beseech her love he tells her that all the demons and humans and all the demigods are scared of me they are filled with terror simply by hearing my name now that i have seen you i no longer desire the delight of any other woman become my wife and let us roam in lanka and live in a palace and i assure you that my 5000 queens will become your maid servants sita when she heard this she became angry her eyes became red and she said i am chased to ram i have taken a vow to follow ram i will never abandon ram oh ravana you are a jackal who is brazenly coveting a booty that belongs to a lion and she looked disdainfully at ravana and ravana looked at her lustfully this is how they are they are looking at each other and she felt sick what a disgusting creature is looking at me like this she just couldn't stand him how could he imagine that i would go with him that's what she is thinking and with anger sita now she she sensed that ravana is coming closer to grab her so as ravana came forward 
Sita said, Oh, cruel Ravana, don't touch me. Do not come near me. Remember, you are trying to extract a tooth from the jaws of a hungry lion. You are wishing to carry a huge mandara mountain on your shoulders. Don't you realize that by, by coveting me, you are actually trying to swim across the ocean by putting a stone slab on your body? And oh foolish Ravana, don't try to cast the sun with your bare hands. You will be burned. She repeatedly reproached him, scorned him, chastised him, shouted at him again and again. And then she said, Oh sinful Ravana, after stealing me, where will you go? Where will you hide? Ram will come to the depths of the ocean. And even if you go to the top of the Himalayas, he will come there. Because Ram's arrows will get you wherever you are. So as she was scolding Ravana, you know what was Ravana's response? Ravana first began to laugh. And he said, Wow, this is very good. And Sita stopped. What is he saying? Because Ravana said, Oh, you are a very aggressive lady. I would love to have a high-spirited woman in my palace. So, he is taking Sita's chastising him as something which is agitating him more. So then, when he started laughing, Sita started shivering like a sapling that is caught in a storm. And she started crying. She started looking here and there and she said, Oh Ram, Oh Lakshman, when will you come? And then Ravana said, Oh Sita, do you know? I have won from Kuvera the entire Lanka. And when I stand, can you see? I am standing here right now. Sun's rays do not touch me. The sun is afraid of me. The wind stops blowing when I want it to blow. And the rivers become still and calm. And then he snapped his finger. He said, I can dispose of this ordinary lowly husband of yours, Ram. In fact, do you know? Oh Sita, it is a great fortune that the king of demons, Ravana, is coming and beseeching your love. Please accept me and abandon this worthless Ram. At this time, Sita was not even looking at Ravana and Ravana became impatient, started clinching his fist. He became angry and restless and he said, it is too much now. Then Ravana assumed this original form which is of 10 heads and 20 arms and he looked at Sita and said, Oh Sita, look at me now. He thought she will be impressed by this form. <laughs> Ten heads and twenty arms. He said, look at me, oh proud lady, look at me. I can lift the entire earth with my arms. I can drink the entire ocean. I can burn fire and kill even death itself. And his eyes became reddish copper. And he was dressed in fine jewelry. And then he said, oh charming Sita, I am the husband fit for you. I shall take good care of you. I shall never hurt you. I shall never annoy you. And then again he became aggressive. So he was trying to be very loving with her and also aggressive. And finally he put his one hand on her hair and the other on her legs and forcefully picked her and put her on his chariot. And he began flying high. And when she flew high, when the chariot flew high, whom do you think Sita saw? Jatayu, the giant vulture who was perched on the top of a tree. And first thing she said, Oh Jatayu, oh bird, please help me. But don't fight this Ravana. Because you are old. You will not be able to fight him. Immediately go and inform Ram and Lakshman that Ravana has taken me. So she knew this. She knew that Jatayu will not be able to stand in front of Ravana. But Jatayu immediately recognized Ravana. Jatayu knew that this is Ravana. And he said, Ravana, I am the king of vultures, Jatayu. I won't allow you to carry Sita in my presence. And then Jatayu, the Varnik Ramayana describes, gave an amazing lecture to Ravana. <laughs> See, Ravana is flying. Just imagine this. Ravana's chariot is flying and Jatayu is flapping his wings and he comes on the right side of Ravana and starts telling him that, return Sita. So then what Ravana does, to avoid Jatayu, he takes his chariot on the left. And then Jatayu comes on Ravana's left and then admonishes him and then Ravana takes his chest. So like this, Jatayu keeps coming left, right, left, right and he's flapping his wings. And he says, Oh Ravana, don't you realize this is against the religious codes of morality to take another man's wife against her wishes. And he constantly kept reminding Ravana about morality. He said, Oh fool, you know what you have done? You have tied the noose of death on your neck. 
You are carrying a poisonous serpent on your cloth. Give up Sita. And he saw that Ravana is simply ignoring Jatai. <coughs> then Jatai realized, no point giving him lecture. I have to actually stop him. So then Jatai was rolled. He said, oh Ravana, if you have courage, fight with me. And, and, and I will stop you from taking Sita. So then, it is said that, there's a verse where Jatayu says, I will now finish you off and you will fall on the ground like a ripened fruit falls from a tree. And then Jatayu rushed towards uh, Ravana and Ravana had 20 arms. He attacked Jatayu and Jatayu immediately avoided the hit of Ravana. And Ravana roared, Jatayu screamed, it was a clash, it was a tumultuous clash of two great warriors. And it was like as if two mountains were clashing. And the fight went on for some time. Ravana fired many arrows at Jatayu. Jatayu kept warding them off. And one of the most amazing things in this fight is Jatayu jumped on Ravana's hair and pulled Ravana from his chariot and dragged him and threw him on the ground. But Ravana was so powerful. And when, when Ravana fell on the ground, Jatayu screamed in joy and said, Ravana, I am weak, but I won't allow you to go away with Sita. I will fight till death. And with all his energy, he jumped at Ravana. And then Ravana was strong. He was in his prime of youth. And another amazing thing Jatayu did, Jatayu jumped on Ravana's left side and all his ten arms, in one go, Jatayu pulled them off from Ravana's body. So ten arms of Ravana were snatched away by Jatayu. But Ravana had special powers. So another ten arms immediately came back. <laughs> he had a special benediction that, you know, all this powers he had. So then Jatayu killed Ravana, destroyed his Ravana's chariot, his driver, his bow. So then finally <coughs> Ravana took a sword and immediately cut off the wings of Jatayu and Jatayu fell on the ground. And when Jatayu fell, Sita ran and embraced Jatayu. And she cried piteously. She said, oh, you are laying down your life for me. What have you done, O Jatayu? And then Ravana came to Jatayu and he kicked Jatayu. Jatayu was already dying. And then he picked up Sita, held her in his arms and flew in the sky and was gone. And when they were going, Sita had some jewels that Anasuya had given. And she threw those jewels on the mountain top where the monkeys led by Sugriva. They, they picked up those jewels and they saw some big man is carrying or Rakshasa is carrying a woman. They just saw that sight. So Sita, this is the last time Sita saw Jatayu. Actually, uh, there's a very beautiful episode in the Ramayana. You know, the Ramayana ends happily. Ramayana and Sita come back to Ayodhya. And there is a beautiful celebration happening. And in that celebration, you know, the red, rotor, red rose, rose petals are being thrown. Red lotus and rose petals. And all these flower petals are flying in the sky. And the big celebration is going on and everybody is happy in Ayodhya. And Mother Sita starts crying. And Ram looks at Sita and says, why are you crying? This is an auspicious hour. And Sita says, no. I am seeing these red flower petals flying everywhere. I am remembering the blood that was gushing out of Jatayu's body. So in that happy occasion, she is remembering with gratitude the sacrifice of Jatayu. So this is the hallmark of a, uh, of a person with a noble character who is always grateful and so Sita is remembering with gratitude. So then Ravana is taking Sita and and then there's a long story what happens, how everybody is crying in separation, all the animals and the mountains and the trees, the verses after verses describing. And he, he brings her directly to Lanka, to one of the most royal palaces and he keeps her there first before he takes her to the Ashokvatika. So this is the story where I am pausing right now and I want you to understand what has happened. Ravana is now and actually what happens when he, when he takes Sita, all the, all the denizens of heaven, everybody simultaneously sad and also happy. They are, they are feeling sad at this side but they are also happy because now they know that this is the end of Ravana. Vinash Kale Viparita Buddhi, when your time of destruction comes, you land up doing the most horrible thing. Ravana's intelligence was completely clouded. Hmm? 
what has happened to Ravana? He is a victim of what? Lust. And lust is born of which energy? Passion. passion. And passion is so powerful that you know you can control passion only up to a certain point. Is, and beyond a certain point, then you are controlled by that energy. And it's like you go to a hilltop, you climb a hilltop, you have a choice of going back. You climb a hilltop, you can always go back, go back, go back, go back. Even on the top of the mountain, you have a choice to go back. And you, are on, you, are, you go to the edge of the mountain top, even there you have a choice. But once you jump down, and as you are falling down, then you have no choice of going back. Then it's over, game over. You are going down. So similarly, this is what happens with lust, with passion. Our intelligence is strong and we can we can avoid the dangers and the consequences of this energy of lust up to a certain point. And after one point, you are completely swayed by this energy. So the scriptures tell us, please learn from the example of Ravana. Passion is extremely powerful. The thrill, that stimulus, <coughs> that excitement. And excitement makes you forget the consequences, even though you know what is wrong. You know, once I was taking this bicycle, uh, in Mumbai there is a there is a forest called, very famous forest called National Park. Borivili National Park. It's supposed to be the biggest forest in Bombay. You know, you may think it is a crowded street at Watford. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's nothing compared to <laughs> an ordinary street in uh, London. But from Bombay standard, it's a forest. And there is a there is a mountain there, and you know nobody can actually cycle up. It's very very steep, so we generally drag our bicycles up. And then when we are coming down, it's a thrilling adventure. You know, you can come full speed. You just have to see. It's like you're going on a fast motorbike. So one day when I was coming down, and and we are warned. There are signs saying that you should slow down and you should actually not cycle. But I was so excited, and there was nobody around. And at one point of time, I realized this is dangerous. I'm going to die. You know, I I felt this is. This could be fatal because I was going full speed and just after a few minutes I knew that there is a very dangerous curve and a lot of accidents happen there. Somehow I disregarded what my inner voice was telling me. That, that excitement got the better of my intelligence. It happens with all of us also, right? In different ways it happens. That excitement, I knew it with my intelligence this is wrong. And trust me, I was on my way to sure death. I was going full speed, just then an old tribal man from nowhere, he just popped up from somewhere from the bushes and looked at me. You know, I was sure in a state of shock. He said, Pagal, Pagal, madman, <laughs> you madman, you're dying, you're mad. And, and, but in a few seconds I was gone because I was, I was going full speed and I just find say that, madman, you're dying. And when I went, I looked back, I said, oh, I'm dying. And then some, somehow I got the intelligence. I put the brakes. And as soon as I paused, I saw a car coming full speed from down and it would have been a head-on collision if I had not stopped at that point of time. So I realized how when we are in that, when we are, that adrenaline is pumping and we are excited, intelligence just doesn't work. Ravana's intelligence just completely failed him. Although he knew, when, when, when Maricha was telling him, he knew that this person is going to kill me. I don't know if you can think of some example in your life or in somebody else's life, if you have seen around in your life, where you know that some, something is right and still you didn't do it, or something is wrong and still somebody did it. I don't know if you have seen any examples in your life where somebody knows what is right and wrong and still helplessly dragged to do the wrong thing. Can you think of any example? Have you seen any? Nobody? Take your time, maybe tomorrow. You can think of an example. Uh, kind of. It's kind of similar, but it's kind of like, normally you kind of see it in movies, but or kind of in a book, but if someone's kind of, say they're stealing something, and they see so much to take, and they end up taking so much, so much, that by the end, like, they get caught, and mm. they could have kind of stopped and gone away. The financial scams are mm, exactly. classic example of this. They know that they are playing with fire. They know yeah. that they are. But they get greedy. They get greedy. The greed gets them. Yeah. Anybody else? Any other example in mind? 
Yes, bro. Um, phones and social media. Social media. I think like people like tend to think they need to always be online or whatever, but if anything, it's worse for them. And sometimes it's just they're in a helpless state. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know people who who watch what seven eight hours, been watching Amazon Prime, Netflix. They just watching the whole night. They say that, oh, what to do? You know, the one 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 episode ends in such a way that. It hooks you to the next episode, and then I end up watching the whole episode. So I, I told him, okay, when when the when the episode ends and you are hooked to watch the next one immediately, it has ended because there is some mystery or there is some suspense, isn't it? He said, yes, that's why I watch the next one. I said, when does that suspense end? He said, in the first five or ten minutes, that that question is answered. That that you know that that thing which is haunting me is sorted. So then I told him, you stop then. <laughs> Don't watch the rest of the episode. Then he liked that idea and he tried it. <laughs> Don't make magic works. <laughs> so many times, you know, we we get caught up like that, and we know, you know, I don't have time. I'm wasting my precious time, but we are helplessly dragged. I saw one book by Daniel Levitman. It's called Organized Mind. It's a thick book. the The book is not organized, but <laughs> it's it's a book is a little scattered. But the it is uh, the title is Organized Mind. Very good book. So he says. He says that now, in uh, compared to 1985, he says in 2015, in 30 years, human beings' brain has changed. He is a neurosurgeon himself. He says the human, uh, the the see, I'm not a tech, I'm not from a technical background. I'll tell you the essence of what I understood from him. He says the brain has gone through a change, so much so that he says now we are loading in. Uh, Five times more information in our brain every day compared to what people are doing in 1985. So he says, in one given day, you are taking in information equivalent to that which is contained in 175 newspapers. And he says, in your spare time, he quotes some statistics. He says, in your spare time, when you just check your social media, WhatsApp and Facebook, he says you are taking in 34 GB of information. I'm like, wow. And then yet more to say. He says, um, "This this statistic may shock you." He says, uh, "You know, he gives all that one GB is how much megabytes and all of that. He gives. Finally, he says one exabyte EB is equal to thousand one billion GB. One billion GB is I think one exabyte." And he says, "All the information created by human beings, uh, all the uh, all the." Uh, words spoken by human beings since the time of since Homo sapiens came, what are the one years ago? He says all of that would be covered in five exabytes, and the information created by the virtual world through the, the te- technological revolutions in 1985, he says that is believe it or not 35 exabytes. I don't understand what's happening. He says so much information. He says information overload. Even what I'm saying now is information. It's information, information. He says uh, uh, one hour in every hour. He said so many hours of YouTube videos are uploaded. He says if you want to watch all the YouTube videos, he says there are more YouTube videos than stars in the sky. <laughs> he claims like that, and he says that if you want to watch all the YouTube videos, you'll have to spend eight uh, thousand years non-stop watching. And uh, so that he gives crazy statistics. Basically, his point is that we are trapped. We are, we are a civilization that is that knows what is right and wrong, but we are helplessly dragged. Well, I went on a tangent. Any other examples? Anybody remembers? Yes. Uh, road rage. Road rage. Classic example. Would you like to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> You do something wrong, or they do something wrong, uh, and then it escalates uh, over time into uh, something a bit more rough. One of our devotees in Mumbai, uh, it's a true story. He's a he's working with Air India, very senior engineer. He was driving, and I think accidentally he didn't realize he had uh, I think he somehow I think irritated some other driver who was driving next to him. And that fellow got very upset, and he drove very fast, 
I think they had, and he came and he came in front of this car, a devotee's car, and he started holding the bruises. And uh, and he came out of his car ready to fight. And you know what this devotee did? He got out of his car. He realized that he, had, he must have done something wrong. So he got out of his car and he folded his palms and he sincerely apologized. I'm really sorry. And when he apologized, this man was shocked because he wanted to fight. And he got so frustrated that when somebody apologizes, what do you do? So he got so angry that he started banging his own car. <laughs> because, because that apology was against his expectations. <laughs> so, so yeah, there are many such instances when we know what is right and wrong, but we are not able to stop the Ravana. So what is the solution? I have a simple solution for this. You know, many times people say, so how do we how do we avoid? Again, this is a how to do it question. No? Yesterday morning we discussed in detail. My humble opinion is, if what and why is strong, the how will manifest itself. We need to focus on why. We need to know the dangers of lust. We need to know what this can do. Then how will be revealed to each one of us in a unique way. But still, um, I can share with you some of the techniques I follow, which helps me handle very volatile, provocative situations. I call it the Papad formula. <laughs> and I'll end with this, and then I think it's Kirtan time now. Right? So, I'll, I'll, uh... so remember yesterday we did journaling? Yesterday we did journaling. Day before yesterday we did breathing. So I have what is called as the BJP formula. <laughs> no, there is no... There is no uh, in India, I can't say BJP formula because in India it has a lot of other connotations. So B is for breathing, J is for journaling, P is for prayers or the proper formula that I say. This helps me at least handle a uh, lot of negativity. So what is this Papad? P-A-P-A-D. Papad is an Indian snack. Easy to remember. So the first P stands for prayer. A culture of prayer helps us come to Sattvaguna, mode of goodness. And that helps us improve our awareness. And then, when you are in a state of awareness or a state of prayerful contemplation, then I follow the second step, A, for analysis, asking, being with devotees, associating, asking them for guidance. And then I get some clarity on what decision to take. And then again I pray to Krishna. This is the third P. P-A-P. Krishna, please. This is what I have decided with my tiny brain. I couldn't under, I don't know what is right, what is wrong. And this is what I am going to do. Please help me. And then finally the fourth very important step. Act. Take the decision. What needs to be done. And finally, most important D. Don't regret. Because many of us you know, we spend hours and hours deciding what to do, what not to do, and finally we don't do anything. We are so scared of taking wrong decisions that we don't take decisions at all. So the final step is very important. Don't regret because you don't have to regret because twice you pray to Krishna. And if you have prayed to Krishna, you have come closer to Krishna. So even if you have made a mistake, you are not a mistake. So celebrate the fact that you are not a mistake. You may make a mistake, but you learn and you will grow from it. So this is a very, very helpful technique and it's very important for devotees to move on in life. And the best antidote for mode of passion is service attitude, which we will discuss tomorrow. And uh, we will take it further to Kata, where Ram and uh, Lakshman, they meet and then how they take help for getting Sita back. That will be the discussion for tomorrow. But essentially, <coughs> Please understand the most powerful force in this material world which dissuades us from <coughs> achieving our goal is lust. Do you know this very very infamous story? This happened 20 years ago in Nepal. King of Nepal, his son walked into the dining room uh, when everybody was at the dinner table at night. Prince Dipendra he comes with his gun to the dining table and shoots down 12 members of the royal family, his parents and everyone. Why? Because he was in love with a princess from another uh, kingdom. Both are royal family, both are wealthy. You know, many of us would think, 
if I, if I had you know, 10% of their wealth, I would be so happy. <laughs> they had all the wealth, everything he had, but just because his parents opposed his marriage to a girl he loved, who was also from a royal family, but still because they opposed, he got so angry that he killed all of them. And that's when in Nepal, that shook the country so much, that I think monarchy was abolished and democracy was brought. It's a crazy. Even Mahabharata describes the power of lust. Oh, I, I, I just, one, one story can I say? And we'll end with this. It's a good meditation for you at night. The, the power of lust described in Mahabharata very graphically. <clears throat> this is a good meditation for Ravana's episode. This is a story of Rishi called Jaimini. Jaimini was a student of uh, Vedavyas, who was also a great Rishi. So the Rishi was, Vedavyas was giving a class and Jaimini was writing notes, like some of you are writing. So Vedavyas said, Lust is very powerful. Vidvan apina karshati matra suhasra dhuvitrava nadivittasanamubave balavan indriya gramam vidvan apina karshati. He chanted this shloka, which means lust is so powerful that even the most intelligent can fail. Vidvan apina karshati. So Jemini was writing notes. He said, Oh, my guru has gone. What is he saying? Even the most intelligent can fail. I think what he means is only the most intelligent can avoid failing. So he changed the last line of the shloka. He was the he was he was writing, he was transcribing what his guru was speaking. But he thought he's smarter than his guru. So he changed the last line. Last what was the last line? Even the most intelligent can fail to lust. And he what did he change as? Only the most intelligent can avoid the failing to lust. That's a big change. And Vedavyas, while speaking the class, he immediately sensed the, the faulty mentality of his student, Jaimini. He said, now how do I correct him? He said, no, let me not tell him anything now. And he kept it at that. And the class got over, Jaya Shri Prabhupada, everybody went. <laughs> and a few days later, <coughs> Jaimini was in his small hut doing his bhajan and it started raining heavily. Heavy rains. And then in that heavy rains, suddenly there was a knock on the door. And Jaimini, who is disturbing me? He opened the door and what does he see? In a, so extremely beautiful woman, totally drenched in the rain and scantily dressed. Don't imagine, I'm just saying. <laughs> so she is there. And then Jaimini looks at her. And she says, please give me shelter. Jemini says, please come in. So he gives her a corner of his hut and she goes to the corner. And Jemini goes back to his corner to do his meditation or whatever. And then he gets distracted by her. And she is waiting for the rain to subside. And he's also told her that if the rain subsides, you can take rest here. And then Jemini keeps looking at her. And his lust starts growing in his heart. So he walks up to her. And he proposes to her. And she says, I am a chaste lady. How can you even think like that? I can accept your proposal only if you marry me. But by this time, Gemini is so consumed by this desire to possess her. He says, yes, 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 I will marry you. Let us get married right now. So that I can fulfill my desire. She says, no. I get, if I want to get married, I get married only in the temple nearby. You see the temple there? At the outskirts of this village? Only if you get married there, then I can fulfill your desire. She, he says, okay, okay, let's go. She says, but it is raining so heavily. He says, no, 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 let's go right now. Let's get married. <laughs> so he takes her out and he wants to go. And they're about to go. And she says, no, I can't go like that. I have a condition. I don't go to the temple like this for my marriage. I can only go on a horse. So you become my horse. So he starts going on his two legs and two hands on the rain. And she sits on top of him. And then his compass is so desperate. He's a very big sage. Jemini Rishi is a very big sage. But he's so possessed with his desire, he's, he's completely blinded by lust and he starts wading in that rain. And this lady sitting on top of him. And then suddenly, this lady starts chanting one verse. Matra suhasra dvitrava na vidhiktasamambhave balavan indriya gramam vidvan apina karshati Even the intelligence can fail to lust. And when he hears this verse, he's like shocked. <laughs> And then he looks up, and the lady turns into Yasdev. <laughs> his guru, his teacher. We had taken this 
mystical form, and then Raja looks at Gemini and says, "So, my dear disciple, what do you say? <laughs> the last line, should you edit it?" He says, "No, I'll keep it as it is." <laughs> so, like this, the Mahabharata ends with this story, saying that beware of lust. So, let's stop here and let us have some kirtan now. Yeah. So, tomorrow morning we are going to continue with the story of what happens when Ram and Lakshman meet, and how do they meet Jatayu and what happens and how do they go ahead in their journey. And there we will discuss the, the lesson of service attitude. Jatayu uh, teaches is teaching us the power of having a proper service attitude. And this service attitude is the antidote for lust. If you are a victim of lust, then service attitude can help you overcome lust. Is that okay? Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Shri Prabhupada Ki. Yeah. 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 Y